0: Alright, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And on today's episode, we are talking about the season-ending loss to cornerback Isaiah Oliver and how that impacts the secondary as well as other roster moves, as well as talking about Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley not performing up to par in Arthur Smith's offense and how the Falcons can get more out of this.
1: Country. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day.
0: So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, I've been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at foul RIP still going strong on Twitter at foul putting up weekly content, at thefalkaholic.com, the SB Nation website for the Atlanta Falcons. And, of course, the host of this world-renowned Locked on Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I appreciate you guys for making Locked on Falcons your first listen of the day. Of course, Locked on Falcons is free available on all podcast platforms, as well as Coming up on YouTube, we'll give you some more details as time wears on, but you can already go to youtube.com and subscribe to the Lockdown Falcons podcast as you prepare for that launch, which should be coming in the next week or two. Uh, there, so definitely check us out there. And um, you know, today's episode of Lockdown Falcons is going to feature uh, instead of doing the usual week. For all twenty-two review in Q and A, although there is a listener question that I want to answer, where someone asks about the potential possibility of Arthur Smith basically being a one and done coach and getting fired after this season, uh, given his disappointment in his performance so far this year, uh, we'll answer that question later on today's episode. But normally I'd be doing the all twenty-two, but unfortunately. You know, that black market All-22 didn't come through. That connect didn't come through. You know, maybe the, uh, uh, what's it, Interpol came and got him uh, and and wasn't able to get me that. So I wasn't able to watch the All-22. Maybe I'm hoping that I'll be able to get access to that and maybe do that on Friday. But, you know, this is some of the fallout from not having access to NFL Game Pass, not being subscribed to NFL Game Pass. Because as my uh, co-host or my guest yesterday, Alan Sterk, said, you know, it's garbage, it's trash or whatever. Uh, but um, so instead, we're going to be talking not only about the roster moves made on Tuesday, including putting Isaiah Oliver and Cam like on uh, injured reserve and bringing guys up uh, like Dustin Colquitt and Mike Pennell from the practice squad and adding Sean Williams to the practice squad. We'll talk about all those moves, um, but we'll also talk about. Kyle Pitts and and Calvin Ridley's usage in this offense. And that was a conversation that Alan and I had on yesterday's episode. Go check that out for our our conversation about other things that we thought about in week four and and sort of Arthur Smith and Dean Pease, what they need to be doing or what they have done over the first four weeks and what they should be doing moving forward. But, you know, part of that conversation was not on yesterday's episode, but decided to put it on today's episode because initially when I thought I was going to be able to watch the film, I would focus on. Pitts and, and Ridley's usage as a subject, but you know, that will lead us into a conversation later in the episode about one of the things that Alan brought up on yesterday's episode, which was Cordero Patterson's usage in the offense and thinking that he needs to get more touches. And I don't necessarily agree with that. And I'll basically explain why I think, you know, Cordero Patterson's role in the offense is just fine as it is. And really the issue that the Falcons need to get in, in, in the players that the Falcons need to get more involved in the offense is the aforementioned Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts, along with Hayden Hurst and and others. So that's what today's uh, episode will be about. And we'll jump into the roster moves to start things off, talking about the players that went on injured reserve first with Cam Nizalek. You know, I'm assuming this is a short-term hamstring injury that he'll be back in three weeks off of the um, short-term IR. Maybe if he tore the hamstring, it would potentially be a season ending one, but I'm just assuming it's a pulled hamstring that he suffered in the second half on a kickoff Against Washington, and you know Nizelik had a good Week Three, very rough Week One and Two, was less rough in Week Four, but generally I, w- I would say thumbs down for his performance. And so I think this now represents a three-week audition for Dustin Colquitt. Uh, we'll probably see Young Wakeu take over as the kickoff guy, and he was okay at that last year, but not great. Um, but certainly, I think probably would produce better than what Cam Nizelik has done. Dustin Colquitt is an experienced punter. But, you know, the last couple of years in Pittsburgh and Kansas City was not particularly great. And, you know, looking at his career numbers, when you look at things like, you know, punts inside the 20 and touchbacks and forced fair catches has been generally a better outdoor kicker than an indoor kicker. So I don't know if he's going to benefit from playing at Mercedes Benz Stadium. Um, As for Oliver's injury, you know, it was confirmed that it was a season ending injury based off reports from ESPN's Mike Rothstein and others. And, you know, it looked that way when you saw that replay of of that village pickup. Uh, where he went against J.D. McKissick and and the leg just kind of bent in the wrong direction. And it's a significant blow for the Falcons secondary. Oliver had been playing really well. I haven't really charted the Falcons secondary in the same ways that I did in previous years. But, you know, just watching the film uh, seemed to indicate that Oliver had been the most consistent cover guy in the Falcons secondary so far this year, given, you know, Moreau being up and down and A.J. Terrell being in and out of lineup with injuries. So, You know, this is a significant blow because I think the drop off from where Oliver had been playing these first four games to what his potential replacement is going to be, which is first man up seemingly is going to be Avery Williams because he stepped in for him the last couple of weeks when Oliver got hurt last week and was suffering from cramps in week three. And, you know, Williams has kind of been up and down as well. And. I wonder how well he's going to hold up because, you know, he made a, a play or two in that giants game off of a handful of snaps, but then, you know, we saw him give up a big play to Adam Humphrey's late in the Washington game um, that helped set up their comeback. And, you know, going into this summer, I was very pro Darren Hall expecting him to win the starting job. And it's not particularly promising that he's been buried on the depth chart along with guys like Richie Grant, uh, the safety, the second round pick. Uh, and so this is an opportunity for Darren Hall, as well as Avery Williams, the potentially step up now that the Falcons, you know, will not be having Isaiah Oliver coming back at this point in the season. But I also kind of think it, it may be a golden opportunity for Richie grant. You know, you go back to this summer, 40% according to pro football Focus's charting of, uh, Richie grant snaps came as a slot corner this summer. And while I didn't think grant, you know, when we did my scouting report of him back in may, was going to be a guy in the same vein as say a Buddha Baker or a Tyron Matthew that could, you know, be a safety that specialized as a slot corner. Uh, Micah Hyde's another example of a player that did that early in his career. You know, I I think Grant could certainly be functional. and, And at this point, if Williams and hall aren't capable of stepping up, you know, beggars can't be choosers at this point in time. And so, you know, these next couple of games are gonna be a tough matchup. They were gonna be a tough matchup for Isaiah Oliver given we know his history of struggling against, you know, faster, quicker guys. But you got Jamison Crowder this upcoming week, you got Jalen Waddle coming out of the bye in, in Miami. You know, Terrace Marshall is uh, Carolina's main slot corner, I mean slot receiver, and he's a bigger guy, so you wonder if that's gonna be a difficult matchup for a smaller guy like Avery Williams. But when Terrace Marshall's not in the line if you have a, a fast guy like Robbie Anderson getting a lot of those slot snaps for Carolina. So uh, you know these next three games are going to be tough for the nickel cornerback, and if that guy winds up being a vulnerability that opposing offenses are going to exploit, they will certainly, given the caliber of players that he's going to be facing, will find ways to exploit that. So, that's going to be a challenge for this Falcons secondary to overcome. We know that one of the reasons why you can make the case why rookies like Darren Hall and Richie Grant haven't gotten as many reps is the the complicated nature of Dean Pease's defense, and one of the ways that Dean Pease loved using Isaiah Oliver was in some of those inverted cover two looks where, you know, Oliver as the cornerback would play the deep half like a safety, and the safety would drop down and, and play one of those underneath zones. And you wonder is Dean Pease going to be as willing to do that stuff with Avery Williams, with Richie Grant, with uh, Darren Hall? These you know these rookie guys. So one wonders if that is a change that happens where Dean Pease is not going to be as willing to disguise coverage, and maybe that means that they're going to be pushing for more of a cover three defense, which they were pretty good at utilizing week three. Um, and and maybe that fits better what Sean Williams is going to do. Uh, you know, coming from Cincinnati, I know Cincinnati plays. Made a lot of cover two stuff uh mm-hmm. In those years, So he has experience in that scheme, but you know, I was never a huge fan of Sean Williams. When I watched him, I thought he was a big step down over the years from guys like Reggie Nelson and George Iloca in that Cincinnati secondary. But then when they added Jesse Bates a couple of years ago, Sean Williams had a five interception season. And I think part of that was maybe because he was being asked to be a little bit more of a box safety uh, and playing maybe a little bit more cover three in that defense. So maybe that's a better fit for him moving forward. So he's added to the practice squad. The Falcons also added kicker Elliot Fry to the practice squad. Mike Pennell was elevated off the practice squad to the roster along with Dustin Colquitt and Pennell's a guy that we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks as a guy that you could certainly use to beef up the Falcons run defense, that has been soft this year. You know, you got the injury to Marlon Davidson, uh, which may keep him out, you know, for extended period of time. And the thing that's most notable about the Pennell elevation, uh, and you could also couple this with the Wayne Goldman getting active for the first time this past Sunday is that the Falcons signed Pennell on September twenty. 20- September 15th. And assuming he plays on Sunday against the jets, that would be roughly 25 days from the day he signed to when he first played. And then you look at Wayne Goldman who was signed on September 3rd, his first game action was his past Sunday on October 3rd, meaning a 30 day window. So one would imagine this seems to be the window. If the Falcons were to sign a player 25 to 30 days would be the window where they feel comfortable with a player getting acclimated to the system and in the scheme and whatnot and being ready to play. And so I think, if that applies to say a wide receiver, a vertical threat, wide receiver, like a John Brown or a Marvin Hall that the Falcons could or should sign, you know, that would mean 25 days would be the week eight game against Carolina. 30 days would be maybe the week nine game against new Orleans. So you could get that guy relatively quickly, you know, within two or three games because of the bye week coming up in week six, you know, you could get maybe two or three games that you would have to go without not having that guy. And I think that's relevant because you know, that, gets into the conversation we're going to have later in the episode. But, you know, I know a lot of people say, why sign John Brown? Why sign Marvin Hall when you already have Cordero Patterson? And that gets back to the conversation I had with Alan Sterk yesterday about Patterson needing more touches. And I don't really agree with that, but part of that conversation is related to me believing that players like Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley need to get more involved in their offense. And that was a conversation that I had with Alan Sterklin on yesterday's podcast that did not include on yesterday's podcast, and we'll include it coming up on today's episode. So we will get into that as we continue today's Locked on Falcons podcast, which again, I appreciate you guys for making your first listen, but why not make a suggestion for your second listen of the day. And of course that should be the lockdown Braves podcast where the Braves are in the postseason, season and find out what's going on with the lockdown Braves podcast on the MLB side of the lockdown podcast network. And of course you can find the lockdown Braves or your favorite MLB team daily podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. So I know when you're stuck in bumper to bumper traffic in Atlanta, you burn through a lot of gas or, you know, whether it's Atlanta or wherever you call home, you know, why not get some cash back rather than paying all that money at the pump? And you now can with a new app called GetUpside. When you open an account with GetUpside, you get 25 cents back per gallon every time you fill up. And over time, that kind of savings starts to add up with some people making as much as 200 to 300 dollars a month in cash back with get upside and you not only save, but there's multiple cash out options. So you can get direct payments into your bank account. You can get PayPal, you can get gift cards to Amazon and other sites all the time. And now when you open an account and use our special promo code touchdown, you can get a bonus 25 cents back per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents back per gallon. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Download the free GetUpside app available in the app store or on Google play and use our promo code touchdown. When you sign up that's get upside promo code touchdown to start saving every time you fill up. So let's jump back into to my conversation that I had with Alan Sterk of the Falcoholic on yesterday's uh, Locked on Falcons, but including today's episode where we're just going to jump right into the conversation about Kyle, Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts and Alan's thoughts and my thoughts on what's going on with those guys and why those guys have not been as effective this season as we had hoped. I, we could probably talk about, unless you have any compelling thoughts on, Calvin Ridley, and Kyle Pitts, but I think everybody's in user- universal agreement that those guys have not lived up to expectations at this point in time. Do you have any? Well, I'm, I'm curious.
1: Look, Ridley, I think it's pretty evident when it comes to being afraid of content. Uh, content. <laughs> yeah, he's afraid of content. He should be. Right? Yeah. Twitter is after him right yeah. now. <laughs> he's afraid of contact and uh, not making contested catches and just not really. Like, he's always been uh, – kind of ignatic when it comes to after the catch, but you know he still he still can do things after catch, but it just seems like there's times where he should go vertical, he still goes horizontal. And it's just like, yeah, three we or four yards to get down there. But I think really these issues are pretty evident. What do you think so far when it comes to Kyle Pitts? Like what are one two one or two things you pinpoint? It's like, ah, I wish he was
0: better here. I mean, uh, it's hard because like he hasn't Don't say got No, no. He hasn't gotten enough usage for me to really feel like I've gotten a a good feel for him as a pro player. Like, so I I just kind of fall back to what I thought of him coming out of college, which was that like, he's not as good at contested catches as I think people assume he is. Like he's really good extending away from his body. His body control is really good. Um, But like when you throw it, like put it on him and he has a defender sort of draped over him. And I think there were a couple of catches uh, this past Sunday where he wasn't able to really secure those types of catches. But if you want to sort of have him like extend away from his body and make a, you know, a, adjust to a throw behind him, he can do that really well. Um, and so, like, it just hasn't seen enough body of work to really feel like that initial opinion that I had of him coming out of the draft is is, is wrong or anything like that. So that's kind of my opinion.
1: There was one, I don't, I think the defender completely read right. I forgot who the defender was, but they were, he ran a post in the red zone. I do like the fact that they were trying to get him the ball in the red zone because that's obviously where you want to see him be most utilized. But like, I don't know. I thought the route could have been ran better, but I'm just nitpicking at this point. It just, it's, I look, given the fanfare, given all the talk, it's just like you kind of want to see him really explode. And I know given the offensive lines issues and just game script at times, you know, early in the season, it's just like, I understand why it hasn't quite clicked yet, but I just, I thought there were a few glaring mistakes yesterday. And I think that's what like, a, a player of his caliber, you know, so highly regard, you expect him to make that play. And, you know, between not getting his two feet in bounds on a two minute drill late in the first half and then I believe in the fourth quarter, not crawling the ball and just laying a defender jar out of his hands like that. It's just those kind of plays. You're like, damn, these are routine, should be routine plays for a, of his caliber. So, uh, you know, this, these things can be cleaned up. I was just curious if you saw anything else that you would spot that are kind of concerns right now.
0: No, I mean, you know, with, with Kyle Pitts, he, to me, it's kind of reminiscent of Julio's rookie year because like, you know, Julio put up these numbers. But when you actually go and watch a lot of those games, like he was pretty quiet for large chunks of several games that year. Like he only really had like five or six really good games where you felt like he was an impactful player. It's not to say that he didn't produce in the other games, but it was just kind of like it was very clearly the the hierarchy of the offense was Roddy, Tony, Michael Turner, and then Julio. And I feel like Kyle Pitts is kind of doing that same thing. And I think the the bigger concern is that you're not seeing Calvin Ridley. You're not seeing Mike Davis. You're not seeing Hayden Hurst. You're not seeing these guys sort of fill in the gaps and basically being the the Roddy, the the Turner and the and the Gonzo. And maybe it's not fair to expect those guys to be on those players levels, but like I think that's really what's hurting the Falcons offense. Obviously we want to see Kyle Pitts get more involved, but the fact that he's not having that sort of instant impact, you know we all had expectations, but like now we're sitting here we're like, yeah, of course this is what we all were worried about. And it was, you know, a lot was on the rest of this group to sort of have to bridge the gap uh, in the event that Kyle Pitts is a, you know, a normal rookie and not the sort of historic unicorn type of player. So, um, you know, it is what it is. Hopefully we can get Ridley going. I I think some of the Ridley issues are like, that is Calvin Ridley, as, as you talk about, like, you know, He's 180 pounds, but he plays like a 165-pound wide receiver. That's always been his game, um, and you, you have to kind of utilize him. And At least he
1: could jump now, right?
0: You know, he's getting about four inches off the ground, so he, his, his vertical is improving. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of feel like Arthur Smith isn't really – you know, this was the same issue we had with Dirk Cutter. He took over, and I don't think he was using Ridley correctly in the first half of that 2019 season. And I kind of feel like we're not really seeing Ridley do the things that he does exceptionally well, which is, you know, those comeback routes and those corner routes and whatnot, you know, I don't know if, if you're seeing it, but I haven't really seen him run a lot of those. It just seems all digs and, and drag routes.
1: That's a very good point. He even, um, oh uh, uh, the blade, he actually started running the blaze out last year. There was a few th- times last year he got the corner and I, I, everyone knows that's the Julio route, but you know, really could run that too. It's just, yeah. Like, cause everyone knows how much, you know, separation you can create and just with his footwork and his ability to change speeds like, and you know, change direction. He's a complete package. And yeah, maybe that's a good point. Like diversify that route tree. Because like, I, I, to me, when Ridley's had success this year, it's mostly been, like you said, off dry, this play action, just quick slants, quick in-breaking routes. That's pretty much all we've seen. But um, besides that, it's like, yeah, what about those comebacks? Because, man, I remember last year, it seemed like every week, Ryan would hit him. Uh, I remember particularly in that Chargers game too, like he was tearing apart Casey. So yeah, Arthur Smith, one of many, one of many things he should probably work on.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, he's basically asking him to run the AJ Brown route trade. And I just don't think that's going to work for Calvin. Ridley. That's an
1: understatement.
0: <laughs> so now that you've heard Alan, my thoughts on Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts, that will lay the groundwork for the ongoing conversation about whether or not the Falcons would benefit from getting more out of Cordero Patterson or whether or not finding more ways to get those guys involved is going to better benefit the Falcons offense, as well as answering a listener question about whether, you know, what are the chances that Arthur Smith is a one and done? And we'll get into that coming up. On today's Lockdown Falcons, which again, I thank you guys for making your first listen, but why not make one of the college shows here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, whether we're talking about your favorite team like Lockdown Bulldogs or On Buckeyes or your favorite conference like Lockdown SEC or Lockdown Big Ten, whatever team or conference that you like, you can find the daily podcast free and available on all podcast platforms, including Odyssey, YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. So we've seen ups and downs from this Falcons offensive line. And, you know, I personally think some of that is owed to how much protein they're getting into the diet. And if you want to get more protein into your diet, well, the best place to go is built.com where you can get built bars, the best tasting protein bar on the market and built bars come in several delicious flavors. And whether you're a fan of coconut almond, like me, or you prefer mint brownie cookies and cream, cherry, barcia, double chocolate, peanut butter, brownie, salted caramel, coconut, or raspberry. There's something for everyone. And there's also occasional limited time flavors too, like cherry lime, churro puff, mint marshmallow puff. You can try them all with a mix box. Built bars are great because they taste just like a candy bar containing 100% real chocolate. My favorite, the coconut almond tastes just like an almond joy. And they're soft and easy to chew, especially the puff bar flavors. And you get none of the guilt of eating a candy bar because built, bars are healthy too, since they're low in sugar, low in calories, high in protein, high in fiber, go order yourself some today or go ship the guys down to flowery brand some in order to beef them up for this upcoming matchup against Quinn and Williams in the New York jets by going to the website today at built.com use the promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com so that we know that football season is well underway and all eyes are on the gridiron. And as always bet online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season with a new updated website and interface and even more odds, props and contests BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today with the promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. The line for the Falcons jets game moved already in the past 24 hours with the Falcons originally being three and a half point favorites. Now just three point favorites Which means the early money is on the Jets to cover in this game. And maybe we'll see that line continue to move later this week. We'll see. But another line that moved was the Rams Seahawks matchup on Thursday night, with the Rams now being two and a half point favorites after being one point favorites on yesterday's episode. I already happened to put my money on the Rams when I saw that one point line. But whether you choose to bet today or tomorrow, BetOnline remains the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports—from football, basketball, baseball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So, my hot take before we get into my listener question, you know, and I, I, I have to give a caveat. Didn't see the All 22 this week, so it might change my opinion once I see that, and I might have to revise this take somewhat, but. I think increasing, you know, the usage of Cordero Patterson is not going to be this sort of panacea as they say or this fix, um, you know that some people think it is. You know, I have seen some people tweet that, you know, Arthur Smith's been really creative with how much he's used Cordero Patterson and I kind of question that a little bit. Yes, he certainly been creative with moving him around the formation, lining him up at different spots, and finding ways to get him the spot, the ball at you know multiple spots, you know whether in the backfield or in the slot or at wide receiver. But, you know, I don't know if we should give too much credit for that because when you look at all the plays that Patterson has made over the first four weeks, you know, it's basically an angle route out of the backfield, a screen pass out of the backfield, a deep post when lined up wide, and a whole bunch of checkdowns out of the backfield. And is that really being creative with him? You know, the deep post was basically a blown coverage where Patterson was wide open. You know, the angle route is as basic a route that you're going to get for a running back coming out of the backfield. You know, it's basically a, an angle route, a flat route, an option route, you know, in the screen. Those are the four basic routes that running backs run out of the backfield, you know, and then the rest is basically Cordero Patterson taking a simple check down and making a play. And I certainly think CP deserves all the credit in the world for doing that, making those plays. But I'm not sure that, you know, increasing his usage based off of how he's been used so far, if this is the, the pinnacle of Arthur Smith's creativity, I don't think dialing up more checkdowns is going to, you know, wind up for greater output for this Falcons offense moving forward. And I think when we look at this Falcons offense that has been struggling for the most part over the four, four weeks of the season, look better in week four, right? um and hopefully we'll continue to, to to build off of that and show progress but when you look at this you know this Falcons passing attack which so far ranks 27th in DVOA 25th in expected points added 23rd in adjusted net yards per attempt and 25th in points per drive you know i don't think it's because they're being that creative with their play calling i think you know the, that's telling you the opposite is 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 the case and you know i think their offense too often is kind of living and dying off of Cordero Patterson making a play you know Take this check down, Cordero, and, and do something with it. And again, Patterson is doing as well as you possibly can imagine him doing, given the, the those "quote unquote" limitations. He's averaging 4.61 yards per route run, which is Pro Football Focus's main receiving metric, which is the best in the league. Right, you know, you look at the running backs; it's like 158 percent higher than Christian McCaffrey, who was the the, the next best running back. It's 130 percent higher than Debo Samuel, who's the top wide right receiver, and 142 percent higher than Tyreek Hill, who's the number two receiver. So, Cordero Patterson's doing great. He's doing great stuff. But I have a hard time buying like featuring him more is going to better benefit the Falcons' offense when so much of what he has done is just basically. I catch a f- three yard pass and I turn it into a 25 yard gain because I deliver a hellacious stiff arm. And I just don't know if that's how you can predicate your entire offense of. And that, I think that's symptomatic of the disease that the Falcons offense is really s- struggling from, which is that they're not being able to get more out of guys like Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts and Hayden Hurst. You know, Ridley was eighth in yards per out run last year. He's 54th this year. Obviously, Russell Gage's injury, you know, threw a wrench into his season so far. But, you know, prior to that, he was 100th in yards per out run out of 101 wide receivers ranked at that point in time. You know, Pitts is 22nd, which is fine for a tight end in a vacuum. It's fine for a starting tight end at this point, but certainly not at the sort of historic pace that we hope to see. You look at a player like Mark Andrews a couple of years ago, uh, who was much more productive. You know, Pitts is Production through four games is about, you know, the same pace that Evan Ingram got off to back in 2017 in his rookie year. And so again, relative to most rookie tight ends is is not a poor start for Kyle Pitts based off of what we've seen so far, but certainly far below the sort of historic expectations that we were expecting from him and kind of need from him. If this Falcons offense is going to really take flight. And then, you know, Hayden Hurst is 39th out of 49 tight ends when it comes to yards per out run. And people complain about, how Dirk Cutter misutilized Hayden Hurst last year and his numbers are down even further under Arthur Smith. So, you know, I'm going to continue to die on this Hill saying that the Falcons need to add another playmaker at the wide receiver, getting another explosive dynamic threat that, on those deep post plays that we saw be a busted coverage. That is not just relying on a deep, on a busted coverage uh, in order to get those deep post plays. And it's not to suggest that Cordero Patterson couldn't have made that play had it not been a busted coverage. But my point is that basically we got one really good deep throw this entire season and it wasn't a busted coverage. And I want to be able to do that every single week and hope that that guy that we wind up adding, whether it's a John Brown, whether it's a Marvin Hall, again, guys that we have seen specialize in those types of routes, you know, can do that on a consistent basis week in and week out. And we're not just relying on Cordero Patterson to provide all the offense. And, You know, I think Patterson is fine as he is. I think if they give him more opportunities, I'm not going to complain about it. Right. You know, if he gets more opportunities to create plays. But I think building your offense around what the Falcons are doing currently with Cordero Patterson is not really building an NFL caliber offense It is building a high school offense. And basically like Cordero Patterson is balling. And so we're just going to ride him for the, the remainder of time. And I just think really it boils down to the Falcons need to get more out of the players outside of Cordero Patterson, and that will unlock this offense's greater opinion right now. And I think that's less, you know, again, my hot take is I don't think that's the player's problem. I think that's more the play caller problem. And so, again, I don't think this that's me basically saying oh, Arthur Smith is bad. I just think he needs to do better, right? And, you know, that leads me into the listener question, uh, which came on Friday before the Washington game. And it comes from Steve A. That's Stephen A. Steve A. He asks, my question is, even though Arthur Smith got his first win against the Giants in what could be seen as a stolen victory, do you see a scenario where he's a one and done coach? What do you think would need to happen record wise or performance wise for that to be in the realm of possibility? Um, No, I do not think. It's very likely that Arthur Smith would be a one and done coach. Even in a situation where the Falcons lost every game for the rest of the season and went finished one and sixteen, I would be surprised if Arthur Smith was a one and done coach. I think Arthur Blank kinda knows that this is not going to be a quick turnaround. I think the circumstances, you know, you would have to get a really bad record like that. And or you would probably also have to get him basically doing something. Arthur Smith that is doing something. A la Urban Meyer, Jim Moore Jr. That, you know, is embarrassing to ownership or we have to see a level of dif- dysfunction, you know, behind the scenes, similar to what we saw with like Hugh Jackson in Cleveland or Kansas City under Todd Haley, where there's sort of anonymous players' sources, you know, talking about a revolt within the locker room um, and saying how awful it is to play under Arthur Smith. Bobby Petrino would be another example of this. So I think, short of that, basically, Arthur Smith basically pulling a Jim Moore, an Urban Meyer, Bobby Petrino, or Hugh Jackson. I would be very surprised if he's one and done. You know, I think one of the things that most people have cited about Arthur Blank and that he has evolved and changed over time is that he's a lot more patient nowadays than he was when he first bought the team nearly 20 years ago. And, you know, I think Arthur Blank is aware that this is not going to be a quick fix, even though you heard me saying things back earlier this offseason season, that one of the reasons why blank might've been attracted to Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot as the head coach and GM is because they may be best equipped to quote unquote, run it back uh, in, in sense of sort of, you know, building off of what Thomas Dimitrov and Dan Quinn established. But I think clearly given the cap circumstances and um, you know, the quote unquote talent issue, which, you know, I think is kind of a lazy narrative, but you know, I think given those issues, I don't think Arthur Smith is, is is really in the mindset of if they can't get this team to the playoffs immediately, then they're bad at their job. And therefore, I'm going to fire them. I don't think he's going to do that. So I, I feel like the plan is always kind of being, you know, give these guys three years to get things running, you know, probably with year three, meaning twenty twenty three being that year where it's like now it's playoffs or bust or whatever the case may be. But, you know, without sort of extenuating circumstances that would shorten that timeline. I I don't see Arthur Smith going anywhere anytime soon. So basically as long as he can stay away from magic city, right. Um, As long as he doesn't go on 92, nine, the game um, and start campaigning to be the North Carolina head coach. I think Arthur Smith will be fine. And at least last beyond this season, but um, you know, who knows at this point in time, you know, It's, it's weird times out here for NFL head coaches. So who knows at this point in time? So there you guys have it with today's uh, Q and a portion of today's, you know, not all 22 review. Hopefully, as I said, at the top of the show, we will get to that later this week you know later today as you guys continue to, to listen to the podcast whether you're at the gym or you know on your commute or whatever the case may be you know Locked on Falcons now that you've listened to that as your first listen of the day you know I got another suggestion for your second listen whether you know Locked on Braves or one of the college shows isn't up your alley why not keep it NFL with the Peacock and Williamson show where NFL analysts Brian Peacock and former NFL scout, Matt Williamson, give you that coverage of all 32 teams. And of course you can find Peacock and Williamson free and available on all podcast platforms, including the Odyssey app. So go check out Peacock and Williamson. And tomorrow's episode, we will be back with a crossover Thursday, uh, talking with John Butchko of the locked on jets podcast and getting his insights into, you know, this hard hitting jets team, this up and coming jets team, getting their first win of the year, um, and whether or not they can carry that momentum into London on on Sunday um, and sort of we'll get into that on tomorrow's episode. And, of course, on Friday, uh, we probably will get to the all 22 um, and, you know, there'll be another opportunity for you guys to send in any questions that you may have. And, of course, uh, you can do like Steve A. And email your questions to LockdownFalcons at mail.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter at Lockdown Falcons or Facebook at Lockdown Falcons uh, in order to get your questions in or to provide any feedback. If you think my uh, Cordero Patterson take is hot or you think it's ice cold, by all means, let me know. Right. Let me know. So appreciate it, guys. Till then.